Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Hey, Christy, how are you? I thought you were going to make me start again. <laughs> no, you start the interview. <laughs> we almost fought. Like there was almost like a duel. Like, hi, Catherine. I'm great. How are you, Catherine? <laughs> People think we're so weird. because. Of us. Well, it's, it's all me. It's all my fault. Like if I would just, I don't know why I'm uncomfortable starting. I'm just, I'm, I don't want to say I'm shy, but maybe I'm a little shy. So. I don't think you're shy. <laughs> we, so we, I don't think we can say what it is, but this is a funny thing, by the way, we're in an article that's coming out sometime in a magazine about something we're doing. And that was very cryptic. Hey. Right? <laughs> and I think three times they asked us for a photo of us together and we kept going, but we've never met. <laughs> We don't know each other. <laughs> I could take a photo of us talking on Zoom and send it to you. Oh, that's amazing. Well, we we seriously, like, we have to fix that. That's, like, definitely a 2021 goal. Um, because, honestly, let's face it, 2020 is all but over. It's moving so fast at this point. But um, Do you think? Because I was on a call today, and I was like, it's still 2020. I, yeah. Anyway whatever, 2020, 2020 can suck it, but, um, but at the same time, like looking, I was looking it's, it's not only humbling, but truthfully, I couldn't be more thankful for it because it's just lifted me up. Um, you know, having, um, the, uh, Kimberly and Heather and Allison and, um, Laura on while I was gone was hard. Cause I was like, so missing it, although I needed to, to step away for a little bit, but, um, it just made me more grateful for, you know, 2020 and heck, if you and ways to be grateful for 2020. I think you have a pretty good life. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That was a total spiel. I love it. <laughs> yeah. We've had some awesome guests and I, I, I just remembered, but... I forgot to tell you something. We're going to announce it right here to everybody in the podcast and you don't even know about it. Oh, okay. We're making Girls Gun Gravel Swag. <laughs> We're going to sell it. Oh, yes. That's crazy because I was going to tell you, I have an idea for swag and it's time to do it. Oh, so what well, are we making? Awesome. Well, we're going to, Ellen, who works with Live Feisty, is making cool stuff. So, what I wanted to tell you is we have a couple of ideas that we're working on design, but we want to get other inputs. So, we're probably going to put maybe three or four things up. They have a store that they work with. And so, we'll probably have hoodies because that's, a winter coat here in Georgia mm-hmm. is your hoodie. Um, t-shirts, tanks, uh, coffee mugs, and the buffs or the gator. Oh, nice. We'll probably do those. Oh, and then a hat. Cool. So, but I do want people to go to our Instagram or Facebook, our Facebook group, and tell us what they would like and what colors they like. And then I'm going to put out... Uh, I might put out some ideas. I didn't really think this through before I started talking about it, but I got really excited about it all of a sudden. <laughs> but we do want to get like ideas because at one point somebody sent me a ton of really fun ideas. Like when I was, uh, I think when I was traveling out to Washington and they mm-hmm. had like all kinds of really fun ideas or sayings and um, I can't find where I put it. So, <laughs> but we have a couple of things in the queue Oh man, there's one that somebody said early on. I was like, I'm going to make that into a shirt and I can't remember what it is. But anyway, what's your idea? Can you tell everybody? Well, I, I am into the little enamel pins. Oh yeah, those are cute. Oh, so you want to make a pen, but you don't have an idea for what should be on it. No, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, honestly, it'd be a good opportunity for me to go back and listen to grab some funny quotes from some of the stuff that we've, you know, had and and some t-shirt ideas. Like I had that one where like, I think I said it last week when somebody was like, how much longer do we have to listen to you about getting more women on bikes? And I was like, how much longer do we have to hear about it? I was like, maybe you need to start listening. <laughs> you could wear that into the bike shop. <laughs> uh, anyway, just kidding. My bike shop is actually fabulous and they always listen to me. So is mine. But I have they better a bike shop where well don't but, do it. doesn't your husband own the bike shop? yeah <laughs> that's they better be <laughs> uh, uh, no. it's yeah it's I do think that's an area that has been improved in all honesty like I think if we get to say one thing is that I think bike shops are getting better and if they're not women are feeling co- quite comfortable not going there and going somewhere else like you don't need to go there if they're treating you like crap go somewhere else so. Yeah. I actually was listening to a podcast the other day. Okay. I'm going to get the statistics wrong on this too, but it, it was, a, it was a Sonia Looney show and she interviews somebody that talks about the history of feminism and the bike. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that struck me, and I can't remember how many years, but there has not been a significant increase of women buying bikes for, it's been a lot of years. And I wonder how that's going to change in 2020 and how, and I, well, I think it already started to change because, you know, how research catches up several mm-hmm. years after something happens. I think it's already started. That tide started to change. Yeah. And as that changes, 
like they follow where the money is. So oh, bike yeah. shops realize like, oh, I can't treat women like crap because I will lose that money. And there are other online options where people can buy stuff. And the same thing with manufacturers of clothing and all that stuff. I think people are realizing like, oh, this is actually a market that we're not selling to and we have an opportunity. So, you know, use your buying power. 100%. So today's guest. <laughs> today's guest. You start the podcast because I can't say your name. Allison De La Jose. I can say Allison. <laughs> <laughs> Women of Oz um, down in Northwest Arkansas. Um, so she joins us today. And I, I'm, I mean, she's, you're, you, you, as you listen, are going to totally get that this woman's got her stuff together. Um, yeah. So I love the good. conversation. She talks a ton about how to, uh, you know, yeah. build, um, a bike friendly community for beginner women at the audio. We did have a few little problems. So it might cut out a little bit, Arkansas house, the internet there. Um, just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, we had a few little internet issues and then it's funny cause we were kind of wrapping the podcast up and you just said, is there anything else, Allison? And she started interviewing us. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you get the bonus like, oh, interview God, at the ready. end. <laughs> It's a Allison. bonus interview with Christy and Catherine. <laughs> Allison, Christy and Catherine. Yeah. People are taking over our podcast right and left. I love it. Community. So we're going to go on to our interview with Allison. I'm not even going to try. De La Jose. De La Jose. <laughs> there you go. All right. On to the interview. Hey, Catherine. I'm so excited that Gooders Come On is one of our sponsors. I know we love Gooder sunglasses because they come in so many fun colors and sassy fun names. Like I got Lance's afternoon uppers. And I got Rose before Brose. <laughs> <laughs> they're really fun. And they're also performance sunglasses. So they're no slip, no bounce and polarized. They start at a ridiculously low price of $25 a pair. <laughs> Which means that Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. You do not need a discount when you already have the most affordable performance shades on the planet. So go to gooder.com slash feisty and that's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash feisty now. These glasses even look good with mud on them. They do. <laughs> Christy, you know we have a new podcast sponsor? Did you get your gear yet? I did. I was so excited. Valcorva showed up the other day and I, um, I'm in love. <laughs> I think I have my new very favorite shorts, both for working out, walking my dog, and like post a long ride. Yeah, totally. That Well, and I got that green. Did you get the green? You didn't get the green. I, I got, got the green. I got like an eggplant color. They're fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry. My green ones are better than your eggplant. <laughs> well, I really love the fun colors and all the fun patterns. I got really fun pants as well. And I love, this is my favorite thing. They have a pocket. And I know. Every pair of pants. So like after a ride, slide them on, put my cell phone in the pocket. It's amazing. Yep. They work perfect. And they're, they are the, the shorts are the right length. My three quarter length tights. They're obviously, they're an awesome link, but they're super fun. I got the black and white stripe and they're, they're really cute. So I'm 
So stoked. And the quality is, uh, yeah, I was stoked. And they're incredibly affordable. I know. We are very excited to have Belcorva as a new sponsor to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. You can go over to belcorva.com to pick up your fun new tights or shorts. Get the green ones. Hey, Catherine, how are you? I'm great. Christy, you started the episode. I'm yeah, so I'm glad. breaking the mold here a little bit. <laughs> it's mostly because I can't say the guest's last name. <laughs> no, I'm going to mess it up. I'm, I'm excited. I'm actually going to have lunch with Allison tomorrow. Um, but for today, we have Allison De La Husse with us from Women of Oz, um, which, well, gosh, I think we should just kind of let her start by telling us a little bit about what Women of Oz is. Yeah, thank you, Catherine and Christy. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, Women of Oz is a women's mountain bike group. We're a nonprofit and we are located in Northwest Arkansas. And our mission is to get women on mountain bikes by breaking down barriers. The three biggest barriers we see is education, intimidation, and equipment. And so we feel like if we can help problem solve how to make those things accessible, we're gonna be able to have an impact in getting women in the sport which as you two know, is really underrepresented by women. It's uh, There's a lot of dudes out there that are riding, but we're trying to change that. There's a lot of dudes. There are. And yeah. lots of good dudes. So that's great. Absolutely. We don't want to, you know, it's not about holding anyone back. It's more about elevating another group. So we feel like we, that's something that we can add to our community. And so uh, we were established in 2019 um, and we do a monthly ride. It's called a flagship ride. And in that flagship ride, we offer a fundamental skills clinic taught by certified mountain bike guides. Um, and then we have guided rides from green, green plus, blue, blue plus, black, all the way up to advanced. And then afterwards, we all come together and have a social. So the idea is that you learn a new skill and then you get to socialize with women and talk about what you learned which in our experience is, uh, it's the secret sauce is getting the women together after the ride. Yeah, that's really fun. T- tell us a little bit about how you got into writing and then how you ended up founding this organization. That's a great question. Um, you know, my background, I've always been an athlete growing up, uh, played college soccer for a year and then realized that wasn't really for me. Went in, you know, went all in on my career and then um, moved to Northwest Arkansas. And at that point we had our third child and kind of felt like I had always identified as an athlete, but no longer did I feel like I was an athlete. And, you know, I had kind of done some running, but was kind of feeling bored and unchallenged with that. And so, um, I had a friend who got me into road biking. So sure, you know, whatever the, the greenways right there, I'll go for a road ride. And then that kind of developed to the point where I was riding a lot. And then I saw those mountain bike trips. What, what are those? Like, what's happening? What's happening back there in the woods? I'm very <laughs> curious, you know, and I would see these women come out and I think, where did they go? Like, what did they do? I want to know more about it. And so I was fortunate enough to have a friend who had had a friend who started this ride once a week and the group just kept growing and growing and growing. By the end, we had this group message of 50 women And there was kind of a light bulb moment, like, well, hang on, if I want to do this, 
but I didn't know where to start. And I was fortunate to find this group. There are other women just like me. For every one of me, there's got to be 20 more, right? That are wondering what they're trail curious. They don't know where to start, but they want to engage and enjoy the trails as well. And so out of that, there were just little pockets of women riding here and we all got together in one room and said, okay, we're going to do this. Once a month, we're going to just do this ride. It's our gift to the community. And from there rose a group of nine women that acted as Women of Oz board. We set the foundation, we got the 501c3, and then we've just been rolling ever since. So that was March of 2018 was our first ride. A full year later, March 2019, I think that first ride we had 40 women. March 2019, we had, or 2020, we had 174 women in attendance. Nice. So I think the answer was yes, there were more of me out there. <laughs> it sounds like it. Um, yeah. Obviously, we had Amy Ross on just recently and, and Northwest Arkansas is obviously like Bentonville is a huge spot, a hot, a, a hot spot for sure for cycling. What, um, what community support have you had, like either from the cycling community or even, in, you know, non-endemic um, organizations willing to help you guys with yeah. your organization? I think that's a great question. You know, one of the things that we constantly remind ourselves at Women of Oz is we wouldn't have had the success if it weren't for the groups that had laid the foundation for us. There's a group called FAST that has Friends of Arkansas Single Track. There's Bike Bentonville. There's Bike NWA. There's NICA. There are a bunch of other cycling groups here that had laid the foundation, built the trail builders, building the trails, you know, the bike shops, there were so there was already this excitement and energy happening in the town. And so it really paved the way for us to be able to come in and, you know, kind of create this movement, I would say. So I think that one of the things that Northwest Arkansas, if you haven't been here, you need to come. It's incredible. Yeah. The riding is so great. You could be on a different trail every day and it's all accessible from downtown. But one of the things that they did here, and I really credit the foundation and trailblazers um, and the trail builders, is they wind the trails around the town. We don't have big mountains, but we've got a lot of hills and we have access from downtown. And so you can be downtown, you can be on the trail and two minutes later, you're sitting at a restaurant enjoying that post-ride beer, you know? Um, and I think that really created such an opportunity to engage this group that maybe wouldn't drive two hours to ride a trail, but they would drive 15, 20 minutes to ride a trail. So I think that just opens it up to so many more people. The trails down there, um, I know you were talking about how you have the rides separated out, green, green plus, blue, blue plus. Um, are the trails similar? Um, yeah, absolutely. We have trails for all levels and all abilities, for sure. And so if you... I think that's one of the best parts about this area is you can always leave a challenge on the trail for the next day because there always is another challenge. So all different types of terrain um, is available. If you like the enduro, we got it. If you like the cross country, we got it. I hope you like lots of quick little climbs because that's really what this area is based on. You know, we're, we're in the Ozark Mountains. So there's a lot of hills, I would say. Yeah. Death by a thousand paper cuts. <laughs> exactly it'll catch up to you for sure so oh, goodness um, where did the name women of oz come from 
So, you know, uh, the trail region here is called Oz Trails after the Ozark Trails. And it sort of just felt like a natural fit that we wanted to be associated with the trails. So we are actually, we have a co-brand with Oz Trails for Women of Oz. Um, but I think we wanted something strong that identified that we were women. I think so often, you know, there's a lot of girl, the usage of the word girls, we wanted to use women and we wanted to be able to identify where we were from. So Women of Oz was born. That's very cool. I like it. It, it made me think like, are we going to Kansas? <laughs> right. <laughs> the Ozarks, but, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It's from the Ozarks. Absolutely. Which are just absolutely beautiful. Well, you mentioned you're a mom of three kids. So obviously that keeps you busy. What, what are their ages? Absolutely. I've got a five-year-old, a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old. So it's for me, you know, I, I feel like um, I have time to pop out on the trails for a couple hours and that's about the amount that I'm going to be able to get out and ride. And so to be able to engage and enjoy mountain biking when you're still a parent who has stuff going on at home, maybe a working parent. It's a, it's such a neat gift to be able to do that. So boys or girls or got a girl in the middle, two boys on the ends. So keeps them busy. Do any of them ride? Uh, they all ride except the five-year-old. He's still working on it, but the other two do a little mountain bike club. They go once a week and ride. It's very cool. <laughs> So it really is accessible. I'm telling you to all levels and they get out there and they've got their little coach and they're crossing streams and stuff. It's so cute. Well, I, I like you mentioned before we started talking, um, and recording, you mentioned, um, the supportiveness of cycling across the disciplines. And obviously like I'm coming from a gravel background, Catherine's coming from a triathlete background. I mean, just here on this phone call, you know, we've got three different very disciplines that have all kind of figured out a way to try to be supportive of women. Um, can you speak to a little bit about that and what the, what's happening down there in Arkansas across that, dis, all the disciplines? Absolutely. You know, I think that as women and in our culture, so often we dog each other or don't support each other. And I feel like, especially with women as the culture that is so important is women elevating women, women lifting women up, right? And I think that is a mantra that we carry out into the cycling world. I think that if we have unity at the leadership level across different disciplines, it makes each other stronger. So, you know, Christy, for your gravel group, you know, I may not be a mountain biker. Perhaps I started mountain biking and then I found gravel and that's my jam. Or Catherine, you know, same with road biking. I just think there's so much opportunity for crossover between these disciplines. And also there are trends, you know, one minute it's mountain, the next minute it's road, the next minute it's gravel. So I just feel like the supporting each other only makes each of our disciplines stronger because there is so much crossover, you know, Women of Oz, we have a group of 90 women that have a separate tech string that's all about gravel riding. So I just feel like spreading the message of having a unified front and supporting one another makes us all better. I'm just imagining being on a tech stream with 90 people. <laughs> <laughs> it is through a message app. So you don't get 90, okay. messages, but yeah. I was I mean, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's really cool because that group was born out of a separate message strain of women of Oz riders. That's now our beginner group is at 430 women. 
And so from that, people started, oh, hey, I want to go gravel together. Well, let's go gravel together. So I just think there's so much opportunity for crossover. Let's oh, I totally agree. Sorry, Catherine. Oh, no. I just want to talk a little bit about uh, getting beginner women out there and some of the things that you specifically do, because I think a lot of people really want to help beginner women get into gravel or cycling, but they forget what it was like to be a beginner sometimes. And like a beginner, like this is an example. I was out riding on a local trail a few weeks ago and this woman said, Oh, I went, you know, that was really tough. I went all the way. And I was, I was thinking she went all the way, like the 30 miles of the trail, which is a huge climb. I was like, wow, how was it? And she goes, yeah, I made it all the way to the school. And I was like, she did the four mile you know, like she's okay. a true beginner, but we make these assumptions a lot of times like, oh, everybody is going to come out and want to ride for like three hours or something. So I think like it's, you really have to have a different mindset to make beginners really welcome. So talk yeah. us through some of the things that you all do. Uh, so I think the number one thing exactly is that for beginners, it's, there is intimidation showing up to a group ride when you know no one, you don't really know what you're doing. You probably don't know all the functions of your bike. You don't know what to expect. That's really scary. And so for us, when there, when you step up to that tent on ride day, there are two women standing there with a smile, welcoming you, asking what group you're in walking you over to the ride leader, introducing you, um, really want to make it the most welcoming, positive environment possible. The second thing that we think really helps with the, the enjoyment of the ride is we ask our ride leaders that when you come to the flagship, this is not your day to hit your miles. This is your day to be a guide and give back to your community. So just setting the expectation that your role today is guiding you never leave anyone behind and we always want it to be a positive experience. I think that really helps set the tone. So um, just kind of hitting on how you have your ride leaders, you know, setting those expectations. I think that's so important and, and a really good point for listeners. Like if you're starting up a new group, whether it be gravel or road or uh, mountain biking, making sure as the ride leader that you're ready to just give back. Like you said, it's not a day to hit your miles. It's not a day to worry about your power. You know, none of those right. things matter that day. So. Absolutely. And just the kindness is so important, especially for that new rider to feel welcomed and encouraged that that's going to be the term factor if they return or not. So. So that, that's a huge thing, intimidation. That's something that we kind of talked about. One of the other barriers is equipment. Mm. And so what we've done is we've gone to all of our local bike shops in town and said, we want to create a partnership with you. We're going to bring our women to your bike shop once, once a quarter. So we do it with each different bike shop. So once a month we have a clinic and it will be how to go tubeless, basic maintenance, nutrition, we include the bike shops and we also then in exchange give them posts on our social media. And then we ask that the first time a woman of Oz walks into their shop and asks for a rental to get a $20 rental because a bike for $65 for an afternoon is pretty pricey, especially if you don't even know if you really like that sport. So we feel like getting these $20 rentals makes this equipment accessible for most of the women. So that's step two of the barriers. Step three of the barriers is education. And so we have, at Women of Oz, we've de developed an internal ride leader suite curriculum. 
that we teach our women. So we've had 40 women come through in the last 40, in the last four months where we teach them, this is how you do ride leading. This is how you do sweeping. This is how you start your ride. This is how you end your ride. This is how you handle all these different scenarios. And then in addition to those 40 women, we have another group of women, which as of November will be at 37 that are BICP level one certified. And so those are the women who teach our clinic. So it is a consistent uh, curriculum every time. So education, intimidation, and equipment. Those are the big things that stop women from mountain biking. And we feel like we're slowly tackling each one and then trying to share what we're learning. I think those apply to all the cycling disciplines. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. we know, you know, access is always that, that um, access to equipment is always a challenge because cycling is not an inexpensive sport by any stretch of the imagination. So, yes. Yeah. Um, well, and I love that you're taking that barrier down and then they're establishing a relationship with that bike shop, because as you know, if you have a good experience, you're likely to go back and go, okay, well, I want to buy from here so yeah. they see that as well. Yeah, and I think we all want to support local, right? Especially in the yeah. age of the internet, those connections with your community are so important. And so if we can facilitate an introduction between these shops and their client, then that's great. And bike shops, I do believe are like doctors and hairdressers, there's a right fit for everybody. So that's why we feel like we're never gonna be exclusive with one shop. We wanna work with all the shops because we, you know, we have all different type of women. But it's been wonderful. I would say like we are very fortunate, like I said, that there's a lot of groundwork that's been laid and we do have these shops that are very open to working with us and they see the value in supporting this community. Well, it's great you have the rental ideas, the rental options too. Like that's another struggle in certain communities where there's not, you can't rent a bike. So, you know, you have to borrow yeah. somebody's bike or, you know, it just adds another layer of difficulty for that um, equipment piece. But that's great. Yeah. Um, you'd said something, oh, I wanted to know, I mean, obviously you guys have just, you've seen so much success. Do you personally have a story that's resonated with you? Um, boy, I mean, honestly, I think there are so many powerful stories of what's come out of women of Oz. I mean, we've had women approach us and say it helped them with their postpartum after they had a baby get reconnected to the community. We've had women who've gone through major life changes that have found this group and it's created an identity. Um, I mean, I think the most impactful thing for me is when you know I'm scrolling, scrolling through social media and I see these women that I know met together through Women of Oz and the Trails and now they're celebrating Christmas together, right? Or their birthdays. It's, it's spun out of this bigger group, all these little connections have been made. And that's truly the idea, right? It's to bring women together. And it's not that we taught women how to mountain bike and we made these women mountain bikers. We gave these women a connection through mountain biking. Mm -hmm. And from that, they've made these friendships in this community and a fellowship. And that's the whole idea. Come to the ride, make a new friend, go out and ride together. And I think we've seen a lot of success with it. It's just, it's really incredible. And when you have a great flagship ride and you see all these smiles, boy, it pays off big time. How many of your rides end at Bike Rack? Because I love that place. 
Bike Rack is one of our community partners. So a lot of them, and it's, it's a great patio. It so is. yeah, it's I really hope it some heaters. <laughs> Do you have heaters. Yeah, we're, we're, we have just started back post COVID world uh, ride. So our last one, we did no social. This one, we're going to be doing an outdoor social in a green space. And then hopefully next month, same thing, a patio with heaters for the uh, November ride. So we'll see. That's awesome. I would love uh, what advice you might have to people that are, you know, listening to this and they're like, I really would love to start something for beginners. I've, I've led beginner rides in the past and it is a lot of work. I love that you do it once a month because I think people get really excited. And then yes. you realize if you do it every week, it's a ton of work and you actually don't like you almost start to not enjoy riding anymore because every week you're taking care of somebody else, which is one of those that yeah. is, you know, it's a lot of work. So what advice would you have for people that want to get started in leading something in their community? I think that's a great question, Catherine. Um, what, you know, I would say if you want to lead a group, what you need is to pick one day a week and you dedicate yourself to that one day for three months and just say every Tuesday at 9 a.m., I'm going to be here and I'm going to ride. And I think you'll be amazed to see what follows with that. I mean, you just go out and start that little community. And if you get a chance and you're in the region, come come do one of our clinics and get some fundamentals and take that back to your community. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about sharing this education with each other so that you have the foundations to start your own club or share those skills with another woman. Um, but yeah, I say, start that one ride. That's the best place. And then step two, go talk to your bike shops, see how you guys can work together and support each other. Those are good tips. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, if people want to find out more about women of Oz, where do they go? So you can reach us on any of the social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and then we also have a website and that's www.wasnwa.com and you know we welcome anyone to it anyone who identifies as female to attend our rides um, and then additionally we're doing some secondary skill programming so you can come take a women of oz official clinic and get those uh, skills and drills or drops and descents and those kind of secondary skills so, but we welcome anybody, honestly, that flagship ride is for any woman who wants to come and learn, or if you're advanced, just come ride with us. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We're going to have to uh, plan our road trip to Bentonville after Amy's conversation last week. And then hearing about this, um, we'll have to do you it know, in coordination with a women of laws weekend. Yeah, for sure. That would be awesome. I think one of the best things about this area is that you can really enjoy the riding and mix the social. So if you want to go all day, you can do it and you won't even hit the same trail twice, but then you can always meet up for beers in town after. That's amazing. I literally have to ride the same like four miles, like over and over and over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> it's crazy down there and the gravel's great too. So I'm, I'm stoked to be back down there. So Christy, do you see yourself ever entering into the mountain bike racing space? Me personally? I mean, you've already uh, you personally, or from an events perspective, I mean, you've done so much for women's gravel. What, you know, what's next? I think she's uh, asking you what you're going to do for mountain biking, Christine. That's all right. Uh, I, I want to be a mountain biker so bad, Allison. 
<laughs> I think what I need to do, and my husband wants me to be a mountain biker so bad. Um, I think uh, what I need to do, honestly, is I probably need to come down and like hunker down in my van in Bentonville for like two weeks and just make, have people make me go out and just keep riding trails because that skill set just isn't there. But I would personally, I would love to enter a mountain biking event. Um, and, you know, with Big Sugar, we planned it on the same weekend as um, Outer Bike on purpose. Right. Um, because we do see that real possibility of the, the blend between mountain biking and gravel and how, you know, once you get into gravel, oh gosh, how many bikes can we have? Like, you know, I have so many and at least three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I wanted to get a mountain bike, I knew enough to know that I didn't want entry level. Nothing, yeah. not that there's anything wrong with that, but I knew that I knew that I would love it. And that, so I think that that's kind of the reason why we partnered with Outer Bike was that that would give gravel cyclists the opportunity to go try some really great mountain bikes on some really amazing trails. And hopefully we start seeing some, some crossover there from gravel cyclists into mountain biking and vice versa, you know, yeah, mountain bikers absolutely. curious that are about curious about gravel. So, um, I, there's just so much opportunity for that crossover and I feel like you've done so much to get women out there and racing but there's a bunch of mountain bikers that need some help too. <laughs> you might have to give me like six months of okay. serious practice. <laughs> no, I think Maybe. she wants you to start an event. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe you would think about mountain bike event. We're right. fun. We can talk about that. Let's talk okay. about that. We have lunch tomorrow. We can talk. Talk about that offline. Mm -hmm. Okay. Catherine, I have a question for you. Okay. What is next for you competitively? Do you have a triathlon coming up? What are you planning? No, I'm, I'm more of a retired triathlete. <laughs> so I ride gravel primarily uh, these days, but um, I have not been riding that much since I was out in Washington state. Uh, so uh, yeah, but I'm going to, I'm going to dip my toe into one of these events one day. There's one in Kansas I hear about. That they have an event <laughs> just a small one right just yeah. a small one. I haven't heard much about it's it getting a facelift right now <laughs> um yeah really and truly I mean we'll see what happens next year with uh the COVID world but what I would love to do next year is take a make a giant girls gone gravel road trip and hit a lot of the big gravel events and the company that um that hosts our podcast live feisty media they're a production uh, partner they started going to uh, Ironman races years ago when nobody was covering the women and they would just show up and they would do their own behind the scenes coverage and interview all the women and I'd love to do something like that just like hitting the big races and do like live coverage of the women and highlight yeah. what women are doing and tell their stories a little more so that that would be my dream but we'll see um one right now everything is self-funded <laughs> um and then uh you know that whole global pandemic thing right sort of throwing a wrench into the plan uh, yeah. anyway so we'll see Bye. what even happens with big events early that are 2021 as we see what happens with the vaccine and right. testing and all that 
think we're all just holding our breaths. Yeah, I know. So too. Okay, well, let's say pandemic aside, and I, I, now I'm interviewing you guys. I'm sorry. I, can't help it. <laughs> I my background is journalism. I should you tell you have. that. so pandemic aside what do you think it looks like success as far as female participation um in the cycling world what i think success looks like Mm um i mean i think that as far as in events that we see a more even playing field and maybe i don't know that we're going to see those in the ultra long distance events, like the 200 mile events. Um, like I know in, in Kansas, they've seen in most every other distance, they're seeing almost equal participation. There are some more barriers. I think that women hit as far as like childcare and timing and stuff. When you get to the longer events yeah. that they'll like bump up against, but even in local events, like here in Georgia, when female participation is pretty low at events. Um, so I'd love to see that, but I, I'm less of an events person and more of a like getting women out just for fun and experience and adventure, whatever their adventure is. Um, so I would just love to see more things like what you do. Like I love training group ride leaders. I love leading um, beginner groups. I was doing that quite a bit um, before COVID, you know, you're speaking my language on that. And just, yeah. that was what I saw in triathlon is when we created um exactly what you talked about we started to see participation female participation in triathlon grow like crazy so yeah oh i believe it especially with the triathlon it's like transitions things like that they're intimidating right so if someone shows you how to do it you're like oh i yeah. can do this yeah but it's the same barriers you face in mountain biking people are like i'm gonna go over my handlebars i'm gonna run into a tree okay that's my problem yeah. mountain biking i'm always like don't run into a tree don't run into a tree but also in gravel because it's like what the even my triathlete friends that are coming over to gravel they have so many questions and I take them out on their their beginner rides even though like some of them are Kona qualifiers and they're much faster than me but then I can beat them down the hills because they're like "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) downhill so um you know like like you said there's just like that teaching people uh the path and, and how to get there and I think yeah. that empowers women mm-hmm. and then they find this whole new sense of adventure and confidence and I love that yeah I mean I think one of the things that we always say at Women of Oz is if you create a leader on the bike you get a leader at home at work in the community these skills are transferable yeah they really are I think that's what you know that's what I was going to say is like when you talk about what's what success looks like obviously the easy answer is a 50 50 start line um, but really what inspires me is, is where the effectiveness of what we do on the bike becomes more effective off the bike. So seeing more women in the industry, more women, um, you know, getting equal pay and like all, it, to me, it's like the translation of, you know, we need those role models out there because we know that if, if she sees it, she can be it. Um, so by providing that leadership is super important, but after that, it's like, I'm, I'm more interested in, you know, that's been some of the challenges that I've put into our expo and to those people that come, I'm like, I want you to make sure you're bringing women to staff your booth. I don't want to walk around the expo and only see men in the booths. Like, you know, we need, 
the 50 50 for me, isn't just like on the bike, it's also off and how the cycling, the cycling community can be a microcosm of betterness. Um, and I think that's why we're feeling that pressure so much with BIPOC and everything is because we should be able to do that. Um, we're a community that can work together and build relationships. So, you know, I think that's why that, that pressure's <clears throat> extra hard on us, so. And you're right, it's not just out on the trails or on the gravel, it's in the bike shops. Mm -hmm. It's people working for the big bike brands. I mean, it's just, there's a, a lot of dudes. So it's getting better, I'm but pretty, it's still fairly high. <laughs> I, but. I'm quite convinced that a dude invented like 90% of bike seats for women too. Cause there is like <laughs> no way a woman would design half of these seats and be like, yeah, that's good. Put that one on all of them. <laughs> is it pink? Put it on. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right, pink it and shrink it, we're done. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it. We could have a whole another podcast. So, um, and Catherine, I think next time I'm gone or you, you're gone, we've got our next co-host. I know we've got our next co-host. <laughs> Yay. I've always wanted someone to hang out and listen to me besides my family. So <laughs> thanks for letting me your choice. They have to, they have no choice, but to be selected. <laughs> well, all right. So we're, we're out of time, but, um, right. I'm so stoked. No, no, it's awesome. Um, so stoked that you joined us, Allison. And um, I can't wait to keep talking. So It was such a pleasure. I hope that we get lots more time to gab and talk about the future of women's cycling because I think there's still so much work to do, but you guys are leading the charge and we're happy to be a part of it. It takes a village. We're doing good stuff. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listing platform. Our producer is Taylor Mayhem Rudolph. You can follow us on all of the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com. <laughs>